Thank you, Roseanne. As Thomas mentioned, it is the Sunday that we acknowledge Jesus' ascending into heaven. I appreciate Thomas's children's message always. You missed it at 8.15. He, he asked the question a little bit different of the children at the beginning. He said, what does it mean to ascend? And one of the little girls said, it means you did something bad. <laughs> no, that's a sin, not ascend. Uh, reading from uh, the Acts of the Apostles this morning, chapter 1, verses 1 through 14. Hear now the word of the Lord. In the first book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus did and taught from the beginning until the day when he was taken up to heaven, after giving instructions to the Holy Spirit through the apostles whom he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself alive to them by many convincing proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. While staying with them, he ordered them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait there for the promise of the Father. This, he said, is what you have heard from me, For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, is this the time when you will restore the kingdom to Israel? He replied, it is not for you to know the times or periods that the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all of Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. When he had said this, as they were watching, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. While he was going, and they were gazing up toward heaven, suddenly two men in white robes stood by them. They said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up toward heaven? This Jesus, who has been taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day journey away. When they had entered the city, they went to the room upstairs where they were staying, Peter and John and James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas, son of James. All these were constantly devoting themselves to prayer, together with certain women, including Mary, the mother of Jesus, as well as his brothers. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? God, we pray that the word that you have for us today would be a relevant word, a word that can be meaningful to our own lives, individually and collectively. We ask that your preacher be nothing more than just a vessel, an instrument of your grace. It's through Christ that we pray. Amen. For 40 days, 
40 days the risen Christ had been with them. He was with them in bodily form, his, his body just as real as their bodies. They ate together. They went fishing together. They had real conversations with one another for 40 days. And then, well, then he tells them that it's time for him to go. He must ascend into heaven where he will sit at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. It's time to go. But fear not, he tells them, because they will not be void of divine presence. The Holy Spirit will rush upon them like wind. It is the Holy Spirit that will be like the presence of Jesus, not just with them, but through them. He says, the Holy Spirit is coming soon. Soon. But not until after he is gone. So in some of his final words to the disciples, Jesus tells them to wait. He tells them to wait. Wait in Jerusalem. Do not leave. Wait. He basically tells them to wait, to basically hang out and not do anything. Wait. This is not a very common biblical summons, is it? We come week in and week out, and we hear the word from the scriptures, and it's usually like, get up and go, do, go here, go there, do this, do that, do it all in my name, go and tell the peoples this, go and tell that people that, go into the nations and do. But not this time, this time the word is wait. Jesus tells the disciples to wait, and what they will discover at the end of the waiting is something profound, something powerful. But we human types, we're not so good at waiting, are we? It's not really a strength of ours. If there were a course in college called Wait 101, most of us would struggle just to make a D. Impatience is one of our hallmarks, especially now. Especially now when we find ourselves in this instant gratification society. Instant gratification, it rules the day. We want what we want, and we want it yesterday. Now, if we must. After all, we can pick up a smartphone, and we can Google this, or we can Google that to find an answer to a question instantly, or at least what appears to be an answer. We can go through a drive through and we can receive a full meal in five minutes or less, and heaven forbid if it takes six. Want to talk to someone? Call them. You know they got their phone. They better answer. Someone talk, wants to talk to you? You better answer. They know you got your phone. You're available 24-7, 365. Nothing can wait. 
We are like kids in a candy store, walking around, begging to unwrap our treat before we even make it to the checkout counter. Can I just have it now? Now, not later, now. That's our preferred time, now. And in those cases where we're forced to wait, we really struggle. When we're forced to wait, we fidget. We are a fidgety sort, us human types. There are a few sites as indicative of our failure to wait well than that of a doctor's office or a dentist's office waiting room. You know, just 20 years ago, a waiting room could actually be an almost pleasant place to be. There were magazines and organic conversations that would happen amongst strangers. Remember that? Talking to strangers while we wait? It used to be a thing. But today, no such conversations take place. Those of you who have been in any type of waiting room recently, you know what it looks like when you go in there these days. What do you see when you go into a waiting room now? A bunch of slumped overheads. We're on our phones, we're fidgeting. We're choosing to be present in other realities because the discomfort of waiting in our real reality is too great a burden to bear. So we fidget. If the evolutionists are correct, in another 50 years, our grandchildren and our grandchildren's children are going to be stuck walking around like this. Unable to look up, unable to look around. And the inability to be present in a waiting moment will be just one of the many reasons to blame. Our inability to wait well is destructive for us. It's destructive. It's kind of like our pound puppy Otis. We can leave for just a minute, even if it's just to go upstairs. We can give him the doggy equivalent of some good magazines to read. We can give him positive affirmation that he can, in fact, be a good boy. You can be a good boy. And you can wait until we return. Wait with all of your chewed toys. You have everything you need. Just wait and be a good boy. And in no time after our departure, even if it's just upstairs, Otis has forgotten all that we have reminded him of and all that we have prepared him for. And he has somehow found a way to disconnect one part of the sectional sofa from the rest. We have far more in common with pound puppies than we realize. There's a little pound puppy in us all. Jesus knows. That's why he's constantly reminding them. That's why he's constantly reminding the disciples. They could not be reminded enough. So he emphasizes again, wait. Something good is going to happen on the other side of the wait. It's going to be well worth it. Thankfully, when the moment comes 
and Jesus ascends into heaven before their eyes, the disciples have the ability to look up. Handheld devices were not a thing then, so they were not distracted, nor were they unable to lift up their neck so that they could see. And they watch as Jesus ascends in this otherworldly fashion. What a sight to behold. What a, a glorious moment. They've experienced so much glory in his presence. They've experienced a, a lot of amazing things pre-resurrection, and then resurrection, and then post-resurrection, and now this. And so they're standing there in, in, in this glorious moment, and they're, they're looking up. They're looking up, and then all of a sudden, these, these two figures robed in white, these, these two angelic figures robed in white, as they're standing there looking up, as Jesus has been lifted up into the clouds, these two angelic figures ask one of the dumbest questions I think could have been asked in that moment. It baffles me. The angels come and they say, why are you looking up? Seriously. Their friend, their Lord, he was just here on the ground in bodily form, and then all of a sudden, he's lifted up in the clouds. Why wouldn't they be looking up? <laughs> They're looking up because he just ascended into heaven. It seems like that would be the thing to do in that moment. Maybe these angelic inquisitors are asking the looking up question because the disciples already needed reminding that they're supposed to be somewhere else waiting. In their humanness, maybe they'd been standing there looking up a little too long. Maybe because they're like us and impatient and wanting everything to happen now. Maybe as Jesus ascended, they just kept looking up because they were waiting on the Holy Spirit to come on down. Sounds like a human type of thing to do, right? The disciples, like us, needed constant reminders of what they were supposed to be doing next. And so the two robed in white, when they come and they ask the question of why are you looking up, they're, they're reminding the disciples who are in constant need of reminding that, okay, it's, it's time to do the next thing. It's time to just be in Jerusalem and wait. Now is not the time to look up. This was a time to look around and to look at each other. The time for looking up had passed. And so then they returned to Jerusalem. They returned to Jerusalem from the mount, caught all of it. And they entered the city, and they went to the room upstairs. And there was Peter and John, and James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, the other James, Simon, and Judas, son of James. And they were all there together, waiting 
devoting themselves to prayer, along with many women, including Mary, the mother of Jesus. There they were, together, praying, just looking around, looking at each other. And because they were waiting well like this, prayerfully, looking around and looking at each other. When the wait time was over, they would be ready. They would be ready to do all that they were supposed to do. Friends, there is a time to look up. There is a time to look up to the heavens, to look up to the heavens for our help. Because we sure do need some help. But looking up cannot be our only posture. Because when that is our only posture, we get caught, uh, we get caught uh, making the, the mistake of failing to take necessary action in the present moment. We become disconnected with the life that is before us. We fail to give attention to the things that we need to give attention to in response to our looking up. Just as there is a time to look up, so too is there a time to look back. To look back and consider the things that were. But looking back cannot be our only posture. When that is our only posture, we get caught up on our past mistakes, or we glorify the way that things used to be. There is also a time to look ahead, to consider future things. But looking ahead cannot be our only posture. When that is our only posture, we find ourselves consumed by worry and fear of what might be, but probably won't. So as a people who wait for the day when Jesus, who had been taken up into heaven, will in the same way return, we should mix in some looking around as we wait. Look around. Look around. As we wait, it would do us well to just look around. See what needs doing. Be ready to do it. As a prayerful people, we look around. Look at each other. Why are you still looking at me? I said look at each other. Look at each other. Those are the reminders. Those are our reminders. Looking around, looking at each other, those are the reminders. The reminders that there is a God. Glorious things have happened. And more glory is to come on the other side of this weight. And it's going to be well worth it.
to look around, look at each other, be reminded. Wait. Let us pray. God, we pray that like those first disciples, we as disciples can make good use of our in the meantime. Help us to balance the right amount of looking up and down and back and forward and around and at each other. And give us the eyes to be able to see you in all the directions in which we look. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.